following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Hello, and welcome to Authentic Living. Today, we're going to be talking about a subject that's very difficult to talk about, because how do you talk about the silence that moves you and is simply unsayable? but by its synchronistic mora, its seemingly miraculous events, its moments in which the veil lifts and we see clearly. Sitting in the quietude of such a moment while holding its power, it's as if we were holding in our hand the wave of a tsunami. But that can only be described as sacred. The most amazing thing about these moments, however, is that we are all too quickly dismiss them by doubting what just happened to us or calling them coincidence. Worse yet, we dare not tell others about them for fear they will ridicule us. And so we find no room in our lives for these wonders except through questioned memories that create a deep sense of longing. Today, however, we're going to talk about them. For once, for an hour, we're going to open up to these experiences, recognizing them as inroads to the truths of our existence. In order to do that, however, we have to first look at the word truth. What is truth? Well, you know, some would say, well, I have my truth and you have your truth. Other people say there's an absolute truth. The fact is, none of us know what truth is because there's no one has come down, uh, nothing or no one has come down from the clouds on high and said, okay, this is the truth. Now we know it. The only reference, the only point of reference we have for truth is inside of us. It's something that resonates deep within that's just kind of a little bit like an aha moment that says, oh, relax into this. Be with this. This is real. This is real. And real, I guess, would be the synonym I would like to use for truth because it's the closest we're ever going to get to it. The thing that I know inside of me as real is the thing that I rest on, the thing that I can put myself into. And so if I'm resting there, then I call that truth. You might not agree that it's truth for you, but you might be able to find something real inside yourself that you can resonate with. Let's sort of apply that to religion for just a second. Religion is a a, a specific, particular dogma or doctrine or creed or belief system that is held by a particular person and or group of people that has to do with um, God, a higher power, a way of living, morals, all those things. And so we tend to say, well, that particular institution in our world, whichever religion we espouse, gives us truth. And there may be some, some evidence of truth in those things. I would not dispute that, but 
how are we going to know whether or not it's truth unless we can experience it? And that's the question. So many times what we're doing is just sort of going through the motions with regard to religion, and we go through those motions and we say we've done our duty and then we move on into our lives and do whatever else it is we have to do. But we don't really ever stop to think about whether or not we can resonate with that particular doctrine or ritual or creed or belief or behavior as if it really belongs to us, as if it's really real to us. So I would say part of what we um, have to be able to do if we're going to find something closer to, to our own personal truth or our own real is to go deeply inside ourselves and listen. In order to do that, we have to be we have to quiet down a little bit. We have to stop and just stop listening to all the external voices that are calling us to do the shoulds and the have tos. Um, stop listening to the uh, uh, rhythm and the cadence of of the musts and the duties that we are called upon, and just be with ourselves. Now, that does not mean we stop listening to the world because the world has sound. If I'm sitting here in uh, in my office, I hear the ticking of my clock. Um, If I go to the window of my office, I might hear that um, there are cars going by or I might hear a siren. We're not to shut out the world in order to access the self. And that's one of the primary... um, methods that is used so much in trying to um, go deep inside and find something real, we are to shut out the world. I think the more we're striving to shut out the world, the less we're really finding out who we are. Anytime we're striving to do anything, we're off the mark. Anytime we're, we're making an effort to not think, we're in effort. We may eventually get to not thinking, but we are still in effort. Um, if, I'm, if I feel that tension inside of me that says, I've got to do this, I need to do this, I need to get to stop thinking so that I can meditate, what, I've, what I'm doing in that process is I am working on meditating, which is kind of an oxymoron. So being in into something more like truth is not shutting out anything or stopping anything. is just being with what is. And in that process, we begin to just move closer and closer and deeper and deeper into something that I refer to as quietude or silence. And we, we go into that space. Some uh, Zen Buddhists might call it the emptiness but it is a place where uh, filled with profound possibility and paradoxically also not filled with a lot of junk from what we have to do, what we ought to be, who we ought to be, uh, whether or not we're worthy, any of that. It just comes down to just being in that space. You know, there's been times when I've meditated when I got to this really special place, and this is just my experience that I'll freely share with you, when I got to this really, I say special, but deep place where I, I could not move. It's as if something was holding my body, uh, gently holding my body so that it would not move. It was like, and any time I tried to have a thought or an argument or a resistance, 
It was like something inside of me just quieted it down, just silenced it, not shoved it around or told it what to do, but just quietly, gently silenced it so that all I was able to do is just sit and be in that space. And those words don't even describe it because it was a very peaceful, very warm, my body was all warm all over and then I couldn't move and I couldn't think. And that, that place I got to was a place where I feel deeply connected to my divine, my, what that is for me. And, and in that process, what happened was I began to understand that is sort of the baseline of our existence. It's this place where we're all connected. It's a place where we, are, we breathe into it, but we don't necessarily um, uh, we don't necessarily live it out. We can certainly choose not to be a part of that. We can choose to stay above it. But below everything that we do and say and think, that place is always in existence. It's like an, a river, if you will, that runs beneath everything else we do and say and think. And, you know, as a therapist, I find that that's true in in how people find themselves. If the psyche is a part of that place where that undercurrent of silence, uh, undercurrent of ge- uh, generative silence, that's the way I want to say that, that's a creative silence that brings forth. If underneath every uh, thought and action that we have, there's this generative silence that uh, is profoundly moving us in ways that we don't even notice, perhaps mostly from the unconscious, then, then I can honestly say that the psyche is always leaning toward wholeness. So that even when I have been obsessed and, and compelled, even when I've made a mistake, even when I've done things that I later regret, I can still look back on those things and ask where they got me because they're always getting me somewhere. And, and I don't mean that there's always a goal, like in the sense that we think about it in that plastic corporate version that we have that says, oh, I've got to have a goal in order to get there. I, I, ju- I just mean that there's a sense that the psyche is moving through everything and it is making wholeness out of everything so that a mistake I make tends to turn out to be, well, it got me here. I heard a story about uh, seven or eight years ago uh, about someone who uh, really went out and just binged all over the place on uh, drugs and um, said to themselves, oh, I'm going to do this because I I just need to do it. I'm just going to go do this and see what happens. Well, what happened out of that after a long binge was that person got into recovery. Now, was that the psyche saying, oh, I'm going to go kill myself? Well, perhaps the role, the mask and costume was saying that. But underneath that, there was something else generating. And the something else that was generating was that that person got into recovery. Now, am I recommending? I want to be real clear here. I am not recommending that we all, those of you who have an addiction, are going out and um, binging to see if it will lead you to recovery. Don't recommend that at all. It's very risky. And it could have led that person to very different other places had it not been something that seemed to have come up from something deeper. 
But what I'm saying is that for this particular person at that particular time, it led them to a place of deep recovery, and that counts. That matters. There's a whole lot that we do and say and think in this world that really doesn't count for much in terms of its empowerment, in terms of its ability to be real, to make a difference in the world, in terms of um, authenticating our existence, fulfilling us. But this was real, and we know the difference. We always know the difference. We can feel the difference within us if we're paying attention. In fact, we know the difference when it's someone else that we meet. If we meet someone who's generally a pretty real person, a pretty authentic person, we know it. We know it. We know they they present as something real. And when we talk about them, we go, you know that person, Sally or Joe, they're, they're real. That's a real person. How do we know that? Well, it's something we feel. It's something we intuit. So we're going to talk a little bit more about this feeling, this depth, resonance, quietude in just a few minutes. After the break, we'll be back. This is Andrea Matthews. This is Authentic Living. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T, with a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earned my PhD in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit AIHT.edu. All my love. When I found out my jeans were made using child labor in sweatshops, I wrote a letter to the company saying, reconsider your labor practices. A few months later, I get a letter back saying thanks for being a loyal customer, and they included a coupon for a 25% discount on their jeans. So I got smart, wrote letters every day to all the stores that carry the brand, asking them to stop supporting the companies who use child labor in sweatshops. And I just kept getting letters back thanking me for my concerns and more coupons for more discounts on more jeans. So I'm telling my friend about it, and she flips out, saying that between all the letters and coupons, some paper company cut down a small forest, driving off two indigenous tribes, hundreds of endangered animals, killing thousands of plant species, some of which may have contained vaccines for HIV, cancer, and syphilis. Meanwhile, the guys cutting down the trees are 13-year-old kids who will work night and day for months just to save up enough money to buy a pair of jeans made by child labor in sweatshops. Saving the world isn't easy, but saving a life is. Just one pint of blood can save up to three lives. Visit bloodsaves.com to learn more. This public service announcement was brought to you by the Ad Council. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network.
You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back with Authentic Living, brought to you by the American Institute of Holistic Theology. Today, we're talking about something that I refer to as nameless grace, because I can't find any other word for it, or words for it. You know, we were talking last time about how we can get in touch with feelings that tell us, tell us something real, tell us a truth, which I earlier defined as real. The only kind of truth we can get to is something we know inside ourselves is real. So... We were talking about how we can make connections with other people that are valid and, and real because we know that person to be real. That is done intuitively. It is done with our emotions. And it is also a combination of emotion and thought so that we don't throw away our thoughts but that our thoughts work with our emotions. Anytime we are about the business of tossing something out of ourselves, we are in a major conflict. Anytime we try to tell ourselves to stop thinking, stop striving, stop doing something, we're in a conflict. And when we're in a conflict with ourselves, we're going to lose because there's only two people in that conflict, and it's me and me, and one of me is going to lose. So we, have to, <clears throat> we need to pay attention to when we're trying to uh, accomplish something through striving and to ask ourselves how we can be more centered with that, be more into just being with it instead of pushing it forward. There's the old uh, Zen saying about pushing a river, and I think it's very valid. There's something about being in that energetic flow of the depth of our personhood that has everything to do with um, uh, sort of being in the, what some the sports folks call it, being in the zone, being in the flow, where you're just real. You're just very attuned physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, every way, you're in the same place. You're lined up. You're congruent. And through that congruence, you're able to do things that you might not be able to do from any other framework. Uh, one of the ways that I can reference that is, uh, is through bowling. Now, I'm not a bowler, but when I do occasionally go bowling with friends, what very often happens is I walk in and I hit it just right off the bat, go with a couple of strikes, and I'm like, wow, how did that happen? And I start trying to figure out how I did that. And the minute I start trying to figure it out, I can't do it anymore. It used to be that way with tennis. I don't play as much tennis as I used to, but I used to do the same thing with tennis. I'd be like really lobbing them and really doing really well and scoring and winning. And then all of a sudden it would be, can't do it anymore. And I didn't know why. Well, the reason why was because I'd started thinking about how I did that. Now, of course, those who are instructors would tell you, you have to think about how you do that. And they're right. But there's a place you can get to in the zone that is, you're just lined up with yourself and you're just doing it without having to say, how am I doing it? So that's what we're talking about. That's nameless grace. That's one form of it. Another form is synchronicity. And that's one of the ways we can sort of know. We've, uh, the word I used in the beginning was mora. That is a term used for the fates, the old Greek fates. Um, and they, it has to do with... Uh, something that happens by because it happens, because it was supposed to happen, 
And we believe that on some deep level. A lot of us believe that things are fated. But synchronicity isn't fate. It is more like um, timing. It's like things that are synergetically mixed together in chronology. And that, that's the word synchronistic. It's when we meet that person we need to meet so that we can move forward with some project we're on. It's when we make a phone call that we didn't anticipate anything was going to come out of, and yet it's the phone call that got us where we were trying to go to that day. It's when we can't find our way to somewhere we're going, and suddenly we just intuitively know that it's this way or that way, and we go that way, and guess what? It's the right way. It's that synchronicity. It's when we are in touch. We're in the zone. We're in that place where we are really being congruent. We're, our heads, our hearts, our bodies, our spirits are all moving in the same direction. Most of the time, I would say, for most of us, we got different parts of us moving in different directions. My head's are going one way. My heart's going another way. My physical body's going another way. And my soul is just sitting there watching, going, hmm, look at that. So it's, it's being together, putting all our pieces together is what I mean when I say centered. It's what I mean when I say grace. It's what I mean when I say being in the zone. Those things are, those are the real moments. Those moments when we're in synchronicity, when we're in the zone, when we're congruent, those are real moments. A funny way to look at this is, have you ever heard or watched, and I bet you have, if you're like me, you've seen someone ball up their fists and grit their teeth and say, I'm not mad. Well, yeah, you are, (laughs) because you're showing it. You're demonstrating it. That's how we know. We know because of its behavior. We know because of its affect. That's the gritting teeth. We know that... This person is mad even though they may not really know that they're mad. They may have decided that mad means X, Y, or Z, and so they don't think they're mad. A lot of times I have people come in and say, particularly teenagers will will say, well, I wasn't mad. And I say, well, how do you know you weren't mad? And they'll go, well, I didn't hit anybody. I didn't cuss anybody out, so I wasn't mad. I'm like, no. What did you feel? Oh, well, I was pretty pissed off. Well, yeah, that means you're mad. So, you know, we we have all kinds of ideas about what something means, and so we assume that our meanings are correct, and therefore if being mad means only this, then I wasn't really mad. And we think very often that those people are in denial when they do that, and sometimes they are, but sometimes they really just haven't made the connection that when you're feeling this mad, you're mad. So... Uh, it's important for us to connect those dots. And when we don't, we live in a skewed fashion. We live split off, as Carl Jung would put it. We live with our heads doing one thing, our hearts doing another, our unconscious doing another, and, and we're just split off. And so how do we get all those things together? Well, one of the ways that we can do that is, is through meditation. Another way of doing that is to just sort of focus on what's, what feels very genuine inside you. What, what does typically feel genuine? When, when you've had a synchronistic moment, and that's generally based on an external event, it's not necessarily an internal event, there's something that goes on inside you with that moment that just goes, wow, yeah, that's really cool. And, and we line up. We just line up. 
Now, we were probably lined up before that or the synchronicity would not have happened. But maybe we weren't paying attention to how lined up we were. But once we realize that a synchronicity has happened, we do line up. We, the head gets with the heart and the heart gets with the body, and etc. So it, it is a very, it's a profound moment. And if we can accept that moment as a time of the real, instead of dismissing it as a coincidence or, or dismissing it as irrelevant or dismissing it as something we would never tell our friends about, then we might begin to get a picture of what it's like to be what we call in the zone or be centered or be at one with ourselves or be in grace. So it's important that we do uh, name those external moments as valid moments. Let's talk about miracles for, for a minute. Usually those are also external events. Somebody uh, we pray for gets well. Someone that we uh, <clears throat> excuse me, really needed to be involved with in order to make a big project happen comes into our lives and says, I am so in support of this. We hit a giant windfall. We get the job we want. We, we call all those things miracles. But really what they are is just moments when we are congruent when things are happening that are in line with the mind, the body, the spirit, the soul, the, the emotions, all of it. Now, what I'm saying here is, is the mystical part of it. When we are lined up with our internal nature, the external joins us. Let me say that again. When we are lined up, congruent with our internal nature, the external joins us. That is why what we call miracles happen. They happen because my external, uh, external issue, event, environment, whatever, has joined up with what's going on in my centered place, my grace, my wholeness. So that's, that's how miracles happen. Now, when people say, well, what is prayer? Well, prayer is you talking to God whatever your God is. I don't have a definition of that for you. But prayer is talking to God. Now, we say, well, if a miracle happens, it's because God heard me. Well, what, are we saying God's deaf? I mean, is your God deaf? I don't think my God's deaf. I think uh, it might be more in line with something real to say a miracle is when I'm being real. And, and that means I am in touch with the divine within me. And, of course, that means that divine part of me is also congruent. And so then everything joins together in a coalescence, in a synchronicity, in a miracle. And people heal. And spontaneous remissions occur. And jobs happen that we didn't expect to come along. Uh, we get that phone call from that person we've always had a crush on and never believed we'd ever be able to be with. Those things happen because we're lined up and congruent and the events join us. Now, how does an event join a person? How does, a, how does an external become, become a part of the internal? Well, I'm going to tell you honestly, I don't understand that. I don't, it's got to be a mystery, and some things are just going to have to be left a mystery. But I will say this. You've seen it. You've seen it in your own life. I've seen it in my life. We've seen it in our friends' lives. And we look at it and we go, how did that happen? And we try to explain it by saying, well, God did that. Because we think God is separate from us. We, God is up there in the heavens and one day he heard me. 
All those other days, he didn't hear me. He, by the way, um, the um, gender of choice, um, is, is, is sort of given to that being, that divineness, and we give that the power without recognizing we're a part of that power. So we're going to be back in just a minute to talk about that some more. This is Authentic Living. This is Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. Dad, can I ask you something? Sure. There's this girl I kind of like. Say no more. You just have to impress her. Okay, but how? Just, I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? You know, desks, chairs, people. Grunt if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, oh, uh, 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 there you go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T. with a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earned my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit AIHT.edu. All my love. What can you tell me about SkillsUSA? SkillsUSA teaches you employability skills. So you know how to deal with people, you have teamwork, your resume is going to look awesome. Well, it's important to know your technical skills, but not only that, to have soft skills, the skills of learning how to communicate with people. On the web at skillsusa.org. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back with Authentic Living today. We're talking about nameless grace, that thing that happens inside of us and outside of us that we just don't seem to understand. What we're discovering today, however, is that it it moves within us like a flow, 
and it takes in the external as well as the internal. So we were talking just before the break about uh, how the divine creates miracles, as, as we say, how miracles occur. And what we said was that there is a, a moment in which we are lined up. We are in the zone. We are really connected to everything within us, the mind, the heart, the body, the spirit, the soul, the divine, and they are all moving as one. And when that happens, miracles happen. And so, you know, we, we say, well, I asked a little while ago, is your, God, is your God deaf? What I meant by that is so many times what we say is, God heard me and that's why the miracle occurred. And what I want to say is, if God didn't hear you all the, those other times, then what we're basically doing is accusing God of selective hearing, a kind of tone deafness, to uh, being able to really ring in with us when we're pleading for our miracles. And I, 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 that you get to decide what you want to believe about that. But for me, that doesn't ring true. It doesn't ring real. It doesn't ring inside me as something that I can really resonate with. What I can resonate with is that there's a lining up of every aspect of my being that allows miracles to occur because divine is in the mix. We're so used to thinking in terms of duality. God's up there in heaven and we're down here living whatever we're doing, suffering, sometimes having joy. And and so there's the separation and we have because we're bad people, God can't get very close to us. And so we we have to plead and beg and borrow and steal to get God to do what things like we want him to. And every now and then he does. He, again, gender of choice, does. And uh, I, I can't, that doesn't make sense to me. I didn't listen to my children that way. Most of us don't listen to our children that way. We're tuned in. We're paying attention to what they need, and, what, and we want to give it to them. We don't just have to give it to them. We want to give it to them. So why is it that if we're supposed to be God's children, we're, he's tone deaf? And the answer to that typically is, traditionally, is, well, God's ways are not our ways, and that's where duality the rubber meets the road where duality is concerned. What I'm saying is that when a miracle occurs, God's ways are our ways. There is a merging there. There is a, um, a, a putting together of what was previously dualistic, split off uh, with the head going one way, the heart going another way, uh, the divine going another way. Now, in this moment, when the miracle occurs, everything is all together, merged into one, and that's why the miracle occurs. So, okay, that's my explanation. You get to choose whether or not you believe that. Let's talk about the occasional senses of empowerment that we get that just sort of pop into our awareness, and we suddenly feel very empowered. That could be a moment of clarity, and we're going to talk about those moments of clarity in a little bit, but right now I want to talk about just that sense of, you know, if I want to do that, I think I can do it, or a sense that I can speak up for myself, I can say what I need to say, or a sense that, you know, I really do have some influence in the world. I, people are listening to me, or uh, people are watching me, noticing me. I'm not invisible. I'm here. Those, those times when empowerment comes into play are times where we're at least beginning to line up a little bit with ourselves. We're not all scattered everywhere. We're together, and we feel it inside. We feel it deep inside where 
we can just stand up straighter. We can just feel more solid, more like we're really here and we, what we have to say and do really matters. Those are times when we're in the zone, when we're congruent, when we are um, lined up, when we're no longer split off. Those are times when we can feel the power that is within us. Uh, Marian Williams said, Williamson said this, uh, and I'm not going to quote her exactly, but basically what she was saying is we are afraid of our own power. And I so believe that, that one of the things we fear the most is that we are very, very powerful people. We, we have that ability to do all kinds of things. We can join with the divine and have miracles. We can be in synchronicity. We can create the lives we want. But we have to be lined up. We have to get into the zone. We have to become authentic. We have to be real in order to make that happen. We will resist being real for the specific reason that we are scared of our own power. But there are moments, moments in our lives when we sense how truly powerful we really are. And in those moments, if we can accept those moments and not dismiss them, if we can validate them instead of sending them away and don't tell anybody about that because they're going to think you're really crazy, if we can use those moments, we will become the powerful people we actually are. We have to continue in that process of unfolding and listening to ourselves, not being toned down to ourselves, so that we become more and more aware of who we genuinely are. In that process... Um, sometimes we're able to accomplish great feats. Sometimes people save people's lives in those moments of empowerment. And they would look back and look at that moment and you could uh, split it all off into its variant uh, potentialities. You can look back at that moment and say, well, my head was doing this and here's what I was thinking and here's what my body did and all of that. But the truth is, you were at one. When you dive in the water to save drowning children, you are at one. You don't take that risk lightly. People don't take that risk lightly. And while we may give that person the total credit for being a hero, what's really happened is that person was in the zone. They were congruent in that moment. And sometimes they themselves cannot even explain how they did what they did. Look back at it and go, oh, my God, I don't think I'd do that again right now, if they're honest. And I've heard some people who have done some very heroic deeds be that honest and say, I don't know how I did that, because right this minute, if I had to do it again, I don't think I could. That was that person being in the zone. So we have all kinds of powers, but we have to tap into that centered place. And if we can do that every day, then we might be amazed at the power we actually do have. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure we would be amazed at the power we actually do have. So, okay, so that's empowerment. Um, what if we really are powerful people? What if we are gods? One of the things that Jesus said was, Does it, is it not true that your scriptures tell you that you are gods? And in fact, Psalms, one of the Psalms does say that, that the same thing that Jesus was quoting there. And, and the Buddha said it, and some other folks have said it as well, that we have amazing powers that we have not yet tapped into. One of the other things that Jesus said was that he had to go away so that the Holy Spirit could come, and I'm not saying it just like it, it, it's quoted there in the Bible, but he had to go away, and when, if he did go away, then we would have greater abilities than those that he demonstrated. 
Now, let's think about that a minute. What is greater than raising somebody from the dead? Can you think about that? Raising someone from the dead, if in fact Jesus really did that, if our history is right, and he really did raise people from the dead, which we're, we're never going to know whether or not that really actually happened. But if it's true, then we have that power. And guess what? We have greater power than that. What's a greater power than raising someone from the dead? Not dying. That's a greater power. Hmm. wonder if we could ever accomplish that. I don't know. But if we can live in that centered place, we'll find out for sure. So how do you go about living in that centered place? Well, I can tell you that it's not about um, closing things out. One of the things that I've discovered is that if I say to myself, I have to get into this place in my meditation, I have to feel this certain thing in my meditation, I have to uh, be able to uh, close out my thoughts or I have to be able to uh, behave or think or feel a certain way, then what I'm doing is setting up how uh, it's going to be, how it should be, how it ought to be. And that's my ego. My ego is saying, okay, this, you experienced this in the past, so you have to do it this way, experience this thing again. And that's really not real. But if I say every moment, everything in that moment is a part of the oneness that I am, instead of being split off with my head going one way and my mind going another and my um, body going another, I'm one because everything in this moment is a part of that the external, the internal. I almost get this picture of sort of this rolling wave where everything is just being taken into it and, and, and floated about in the ocean so that it's allowed to have its own flow. This is that generative quietude that I talked about. It's not, um, doesn't necessarily associate, is not necessarily associated with a specific feeling, although when you get there, you will recognize the feeling. Um, uh, it's not necessarily associated with a certain thought. You don't have to do anything to have it, except what I do that just sort of helps me a little bit is just sort of let myself see that this moment and everything in it is a part of it. It's all a part of it. There's nothing that isn't a part of the divine. There's nothing that isn't a part of me. There's nothing that isn't a part of my emotions and my head and my soul and my body. It's all together. And as I do that, I relax into the moment and suddenly I'm centered. And I can do that anytime, anyplace, anywhere, and it helps me get to that center place really fast. Now, uh, does that mean I never get nervous and never have negative thoughts, what we call negative thoughts? Does it mean that I don't sometimes um, do inappropriate things or act like a kid or, you know? No, I, I am still in the growing process just like everyone else. But what what... I will say is that the more I can just sort of recognize, it's just a gentle recognition that I'm not separate. I'm not all split off. Everything's there together. And even when I'm making a mistake, even that is part of the process. So that is really important to, to allow ourselves to just see that we are not split off. We don't have to be separate and doing all different things all at the same time. We can be one with ourselves. We're going to come back right after the break and talk some more about it. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance 
to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T. It was a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earned my PhD in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit AIHT.edu. All my love. Over there? Over there's the water. Whoosh, whoosh. And look at all this stuff I'm standing on. It's called sand, and it's everywhere. This woman may sound silly to you and me. It's made up of little tiny pieces of rocks. Teeny little pieces of rocks. But to her two-year-old son exploring the world around him, <laughs> she makes perfect sense. How does it feel when you touch the sand? Is it warm? Uh-huh. It's hard to hold in your hand, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Learning starts long before school does, and children are naturally curious. They want to learn, so follow their lead. Take simple, everyday moments, like sorting laundry or playing on the beach, and turn them into learning moments. Is this water? No. Very good. This is sand. Oh, <laughs> no, no, it's not food. It's sand. We don't eat sand. <laughs> turn everyday moments into learning moments. Find out how at PornLearning.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. America is facing a skilled workforce shortage. SkillsUSA can help. What is SkillsUSA? SkillsUSA is life-changing. SkillsUSA is awesome. SkillsUSA is one of the biggest opportunities life can give you. SkillsUSA is amazing. SkillsUSA is motivating. SkillsUSA specifically prepares you for the workforce. SkillsUSA empowers students to connect with a network of people, starting with their classmates, to their advisors, to other people in their states. SkillsUSA allows students to connect with business and industry, to manage their education, and to really get a feel of the real world. I'm doing something now that's going to be applicable in the real world, and those skills are going to be useful today in school and in five years when I'm working and for the rest of my life. On the web at skillsusa.org. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, 
back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back for the final segment of Authentic Living today, talking about nameless grace. You know, this is a difficult subject to talk about. It's difficult to put words to. These uh, moments that happen are explanations for us. They are experiences, and they give us an explanation for sort of what's happening, even though there's still a mystery that we can't ever be able to put into words. So I want to clarify that. I'm not saying that I have the answers here, and I'm not saying that there's not a mystery that I still will not be able to put into words. Um, But I am saying that we can have um, this empowerment. We can have this sense of centeredness, of being in the zone, of being, excuse me, of being congruent with ourselves so that we're not all split off. And that's why I talk so much about the authentic self. That's why I wrote the book, Restoring My Soul, uh, a workbook for finding and living the authentic self, because I believe that we can literally find something deep in us that is the real me. And to live out of that is to live in that empowered, uh, centered place where we do run into the synchronicity, we do accomplish miracles, we do understand our empowerment. And finally, we do have those moments where the veil lifts and we can see clearly. You've, you've read in books, if you're, if you're doing any seeking about spirituality, you've read about moments that people have where they're sitting uh, somewhere and they suddenly see everybody in a different light. They, people uh, seem to have a light about them. And uh, they, we, we call those moments of clarity. But more than just what we see externally, it's also true we get those moments of clarity about ourselves where we begin to just recognize, oh, this is me. So much of what we get from society teaches us not to be ourselves. All the while they're saying, oh, we're an individualistic nation. We uh, We want you to be yourself. All the while they're saying that, what they're doing is showing us in all the ways that we should not be ourselves. And they're also saying, don't be yourself. They're not using those words, but what they're saying is, you must do this, you have to do that. You, you must sacrifice for a relationship. You must, um, you know, stay in uh, bad work situations even though you're miserable because you have to put food on the table. Now, I want to be clear here. I'm not saying go off and quit your job because you don't like it. Uh, but I do think if we can make a plan to move into something more authentic, we're more likely to have an authentic job and be happier with it and also be more fulfilled and also make money. So we can have those moments where the veil lifts. And what I mean by that is that when things just suddenly become clear, and I can't explain it any other way than that, but except that you're you're sitting there, standing there, walking there, doing whatever you're doing, and all of a sudden everything is just clear, crystal clear. You see who you are. You see where you're going. You know what your life is for. You know um, the general essence of your beingness. And you're with it. You're right there with it. That is another way of being in the zone. So, And sometimes those moments come with a little bit of clarity about other people as well. We may intuit. Some people call that being psychic. We may intuit what's going on with another person in the midst of our clarity. And in that process, we can begin to use that information that we get in that moment of clarity to make healthy, helpful, holy choices 
from that sacred moment. And so if we are about the business of being, going to, seeking for what is real, and again, my definition of truth is real, um, if, we're, if we're in that path of really trying to get to something real within ourselves, one of the things that we will experience along the way are these little moments of clarity. We'll also experience the synchronistic moments and the miracles and this sense of empowerment. When the veil lifts, we'll be able to put all that together. And if we don't dismiss it, we can use the information we got when that veil lifted to help us in all kinds of other areas of our lives. What happens so often, however, is that we have these moments of clarity and then we just let them go. We just forget about them. We don't write them down. We don't document them as a sacred moment. You know that moment that most Christians and Jewish uh, uh, people have heard about uh, and also uh, some other religions have heard about as well is that moment when Moses was standing on the mountain and the burning bush was speaking to him and he took off his shoes because he was on sacred ground. There are times when we should be taking off our shoes because we're on sacred ground. We should have naked feet for this. We should be able to walk through it in the real, in the raw, without anything protecting us from its, from its essence. And if we did that, if we could put in, implement some kind of ritual, even if it meant literally taking off our shoes, something that would say, that would define this moment, would mark it as this is important. Let me, let me keep this information. Let me hold the insights that I gained in that moment. Let me hold on to the wisdom that I got there. And, and then it becomes a part of me instead of being dismissed and sent away. Because why? Because A, we're very afraid of our own power. And B, we're also very afraid of what other people are going to think of us. And that's the most amazing thing, you know, we think about what other people think of us, and we think that that really makes the difference about whether or not they're going to be with us. And yet, we see all around us all kinds of people and all kinds of relationships where they're treating each other really bad, and yet they're staying together. <laughs> you know? And yet we're so afraid that if we are, are not completely, absolutely, 100% acceptable to the people that we're trying to relate to, they're going to reject us. And yet we don't see that in our world. And so what I'm saying here is that we have some irrational fears. The first is of our own power, and the second is of what other people are going to think of us that forbid us to remember and to document, to ritualize, to keep these sacred moments in which we should be taking off our shoes. And, and because we don't do that, we don't, aren't able to maintain any kind of clear connection to the valid authenticity in us. But what I would say is, you have a sacred moment. You will. Everyone on this planet. You have one of those. Document, mark it, keep it. This is the end of our show today, but we're going to be back again next week. So remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, to give birth to yourself. See you next week.
Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.